0: hello hello hi (laughs) we are back with another episode of me my shelf and i an official confession stand podcast i'm one of your hosts i'm hannah slash spuds sam swags and sarah carbs you're welcome (laughs) i love that you do that i love
1: it on what's gonna give me an ego more
0: (laughs) so sam where did we leave off what are we gonna be talking about today so much good stuff i cannot wait
2: (laughs) we are starting part two of four in the book a court of silver flames by sarah j mass we are going to cover chapters 25 through 37
0: Oh my gosh, I love this section so much. I'm just going to go ahead and gush about it now in the beginning because I know that I won't be able to hold it back much longer, but this is probably one of my favorite sections ever that we're going to be talking about. I forgot how good this section was. This was good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for the first time reading this, this was a really, really fun section.
0: So Carbs, do you want to talk about kind of where we left off?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the main things that we're going to touch on, especially in this section, is Nesta has agreed to do training with Cassian and she's working in the library. So she's simultaneous developing a relationship with Cassian on one side. And then we're also seeing her and the priestess Gwen get a little bit closer as well. And Nessa decides it's a really good idea to get the priestesses to train because she's seeing how it's improving her life in many ways and she thinks that it would be beneficial for them and she puts a sign up but then none of the priestesses come so after trying and trying and trying eventually we do get Gwen who signs up and she's going to start training and that's pretty much where we're going to pick up from And the other things that we're going to be looking at in this section is Nesta is assisting the Inner Circle with locating something called the Dread Trove. And these are three items that are cauldron made that in the hands of their enemies, which is Brielle and one of the six queens, and uh, Kosche, which is a death god, I don't really know what his is. He's a class creature is. of
0: another world. Yeah,
1: I mean, he kind of falls sort of in line with Amrin, I guess, to an extent. He is related to the Bone Carver, their brothers. So yeah, so this section, we're going to definitely see Nesta try to locate the dread trove.
2: It's a weird word, not gonna lie. I always want to pluralize troves because there's multiples of them the concept of it being a singular word to talk about three items always throws me off for whatever reason.
1: And a trove is a place, right? It's not necessarily a thing.
0: So this is so stupid. I always think of a trove as a treasure chest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's where we left off pretty much.
2: (laughs) A store of valuable or delightful things. Yeah, so kind of a treasure chest. I wouldn't call these items delightful, but I get the intention
1: behind it. <laughs> Probably the the it's it's prefaced with dread.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh, that's fair. All encompassing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dreaded treasure chest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty much
2: <laughs> giving Pirates of the Caribbean vibes with the medallion that crushed them
1: all. What was the treasure called? It was from the isle of del muerta something
0: like that oh my gosh it's been so long since i've seen those was, or no
1: it was the it was the cursed treasure of cortez right yes yes okay. yes, yes i knew it i knew it dude did you know kira knightley was 17 when she did that movie yep oh my gosh i i looking back now i'm like holy she was doing that at 17 I, I mean right? that's sarah
0: right there true Fair. true jeez <laughs> Oh, I did. I couldn't send
2: it to all of you because y'all haven't finished Throne of Glass yet. But someone actually went through and did a timeline breakdown of every single Sarah J. Mass book, but by like series set. And she figured out that the entire ACOTAR series up until Silver Flame takes place in about a four year window. Fun fact she mapped the whole thing out. So the first book was about a year, the second book is only like six months. I think *Aka war is about five, seven, eight months. Then we have our little winter special and then silver flame pretty much goes from fall until the next, the end of winter into spring. Yeah. It's almost four years.
0: I'm so curious to see what Sarah J Maas does after silver flames.
2: I have been thinking about that really heavily just because The first three books are very much Feyre's story, and I wonder if anyone else is going to- obviously, I think Nesta and Cassian's story is going to be the one book, but I wonder if any other character is going to get a multi-book story. I
1: knew it. What do you mean? You said that Cassie and Nesta are only going to have one book. It's because I know.
0: I just- oh. That's just okay, my theory Let's, there's, let's there's go ahead and get into me. the episode. Nope. So let's go ahead and break Sarah's heart because she has an idea of what she thinks is going to happen. I know what's going to so, happen. So <laughs> what's happening next? Um, when we start off chapter twenty-five, it's Gwen's first session with Nesta and Cassian, and I love this so much. Oh, because she's like doesn't really know how to dress for it, and then
1: but I mean she does so well. Oh my god, it's so cute. It's cute. I love it. I, I loved it so much. I really, really am enjoying Gwen.
2: It's not that I didn't enjoy her the first time around, but I think I'm seeing her in a different light. And she's kind of really delightful. And I definitely did not give her that credit
0: the first go around. How did you feel about her the first time?
2: I was indifferent, I think.
0: Just kind of, oh, this is a character.
2: Yeah, I think I was so invested in unpacking just like, the personality shift of the inner circle while also being really invested in Cassie and Nesta, that I I mean I appreciate we'll get into Emery too in this section, but I and I appreciated the sisterhood and the friendship growing between Gwen and Emery. But besides that, I don't think I really saw either of them as characters on their own.
0: Oh, okay. There's just so just much more of to take to move in. The plot. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. there's just so much happening in this. We've already talked about just the personality shift of the inner circle. Like, that's a lot to process your first time reading this
1: book, in my opinion. Sarah. Thank you. What I was going to say is, I think, Sammy, you have a really good point. There's so much about Nesta's mental health recovery and her and Cassian coming back together and sort of patching up all of that that... Gwen and Emery they just seem like really nice side stories I I didn't really commit to either of them being being a significant character in this series um but seeing how Gwen is growing into that especially in this section it it makes me like her a lot more and I like that I don't want to say that she's not scared of Nesta because she obviously knew who Nesta was before she met her, she knew that she's Sefeira's sister. She knew she went into the cauldron. But even when she sees her show her power, that really doesn't deter her from attending lessons and and still spending time with her.
0: Yeah. And I really appreciate that Sarah J Mess is bringing new characters into the series.
2: Definitely. And it's not in your face. I feel like when we met the inner circle, it was a lot. We met what five six characters in one chapter Mm -hmm. in book two and this is so much more almost organic because they aren't all in one place because first it's Gwen not and it's going to be Emery next so it's not all at once either and it kind of supports Nesta's overall journey instead of them just like dropping in right in front of us
0: yeah and you know what it's funny though because this is such a Sarah J. Maas writing thing where when we met the inner circle, I feel like it was so chaotic because it was Farah's point of view. So you almost felt the overwhelming sense of chaos from Feyre by introducing all the characters at once. Whereas with this Nesta story, I feel like everything is just happening slowly, and developing over time, and you're part of this different type of process. But she does a really good job of making you feel the different paces of these characters by how she introduces other characters and how she develops storylines.
2: I feel like, well, I'll probably have to finesse this, but there's something about being with Feyre's journey and being in Farah's head, being in Nesta's head, working as they work through their traumas and the crap that they go through. And I feel like, because we're not in Gwen's head, that it doesn't feel as obvious. She is adjusted in a way that we really don't see anyone else. Like, everyone else kind of seems put together with their trauma. I don't know, it just doesn't feel... It's not frustrating, I guess. I don't know how to articulate it. There's just something about her her own growth, where she's now, when we've met her, knowing what happened to her. That's kind of, like, reassuring, I guess, that I appreciate, that you see that she is coming out of everything she's been through does that make sense I can't I don't know how else to articulate it
0: no it does it's almost like she's when we meet her she's kind of stunted she's at a certain part in her recovery but she's stunted and because we haven't been through the actual traumatic events with Gwen I feel like it's downplayed a lot I also have this feeling that because so much is going on in these books and every character has such a heavy amount of trauma that sometimes I don't remember what the word is but you kind of become like blase about something indifferent kind of indifferent there's a specific word where you are like conditioned to just see this and it isn't as impactful
1: oh desensitized
0: yes desensitized that's the word it's almost like we kind of become desensitized to other characters traumas just because we're seeing so much of it so it's like oh yeah I went went through this horrible thing and it I don't know I didn't think much of it
2: and we're so deep in it with Nesta specifically it is a constant battle like we see Nesta's ebbs and flows of it that we don't see with Gwen Mm -hmm. every time Nesta does another couple hundred stairs because she just needs to get out of her head we're not seeing
1: that with Gwen
0: well it also just goes to show that like you never really know what people are going through from the outside That's just a good life lesson to just stop and appreciate people for wherever they are in their lives.
2: Yeah. I'm really impressed. And I'm not totally surprised that Gwen would be the first of the priestesses to finally break through and decide to join them for training. But then Nesta, which I love this move that she did trying to rope more people in after she had a nice little lunch with Emery in the last section Emery's talking about how she misses good tea, and she misses spices, and blah, blah, blah. She sends Cassian to be her little messenger, and gives her this, what, like, spice pack and tea pack. And it's like, oh, hey, you should come train with us, by the way. Emery's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but we also, as Cassian walks in to make this delivery for Emery up at Woodhaven, we, he walks in on Emery kind of having a heated discussion with we find out is one of her cousins who is also in the training camps. He is about to participate in the blood rite. He's at full power and kind of talking about the barbaric backgrounds of the Illyrians. Her extended family feels entitled to her father's shop that she inherited. And they continue to just harass her for the property because they just think they're entitled to it as men.
1: Yeah. I was just going to, pick up on that and say her whole lunch with Emery was so sweet and so just normal. I was really impressed by that scene because it's one of those rare moments where I think Nesta didn't feel like Feyre's sister or like a monster out of the cauldron like it, it just felt so normalized and just very sweet and kind and then I was shocked that Emery decided to do the training I actually didn't think she was going to do it I think she's in a pretty tense situation when it comes to her shop and I I certainly got the impression that if she's not there to look after it at all times them uncles and cousins are going to come snap it up or burn it down or do something to it. I am shocked that that she, she ended up doing this because I, I think there's going to be a huge risk to Emery and I think we're going to see this in coming chapters. But that was my opinion on it. But I, I mean, I'm glad she came. I'm kind of curious to see how she interacts with Azriel, but we can get into that later. I see, like, Sam wants to say something.
2: And I think you're right, Sarah, that she doesn't want to leave the shop like I, I that was my thought too is that I would be afraid to leave my property like that you mm-hmm. want to hold down your fort but I also think the trauma of what happened to her wings makes her hesitant does she want that extra target on her back that she is training that she could actually really actually fight them off in a way that she wasn't able to fight off her father when he clipped her wings?
1: well and that was the other thing too is her father clipped her wings in a very unconventional way i mean it was an assault she fought him off it wasn't like
0: um, well, he brutalized her body
1: right when we first learned that she clipped her wings because because we know that this is a practice an Illyrian practice i assume that it's some type
0: of ritual or it's a little cleaner and more concise
1: I, I guess more of a sanitized process to know that her father got pissed off with her and just was like, this is happening. And just, and br- like, he mutilated her. Like yeah. it's horrifying. And to think like, I, I, Oh, I, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I really was shocked that she did this training. Not, not that I think it's a bad thing, but to, like, the way that Cassie was, was talking about how her wings were dragging because the muscles are co- so damaged from how it was cut, um, it, it, it made me tear up a little bit. Like, I got I got really emotional about that.
0: Yeah, and I think part of the reason why she wants to... She probably eventually accepted the training is because that, I think, is her only shot of winning. You know what I mean? Like, if she trains and is able to fight against these people. As much as I was worried that someone would come and destroy the shop while she was gone, I mean, I don't think she would have been able to hold anyone off anyway. So at least she's gonna learn something for the future. Well, and her father's dead, so he can't terrorize her anymore. But this is his
1: family that's going after her for the shop, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. I think that was a good move on her part to get this sort of training to protect herself because it does sound like this could happen in the future.
2: I think the one thing that gives her that little bit of comfort to finally bite the bullet and join is that she knows that regardless of how Windhaven views her, she has the support of Resan, Cassian, and those higher level Illyrians that if something were to happen to her or her shop again, because the wing clipping happened during when San was MIA under the mountain. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't prevent. It just, the times kind of slid back a little bit. But she kind of has that extra level of protection now that people would help defend her if something were to happen.
0: She's training with the commander of the army, like who's really going to fuck with her if she's gone and they destroy the shop then, then they're gonna have to face Cassian. (laughs) That's a really good point. After we just learned that he literally
2: destroyed an entire town over his mother, I wouldn't mess with him either.
1: (laughs) Oh god, no, no. I mean, we don't really see it when they don't talk about it, but I agree with you. I, I hope that his, their influence is a sort of Social shield around Emory, and and I hope it prevents. But I mean, if they're getting drunk and just coming into her shop and messing shit up, I I don't know. I feel like they. I have a feeling that like I- I'm kind of getting like Eris's older brother vibes from her family. Like I have a feeling that they're eventually just gonna lose their patience just take what they think is theirs, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a shit show. They'll
0: reap what they sow.
1: Right, exactly. I mean like I I am sure Cassian and the girls will get on it. Like it's it's going to be a bloodbath, but I feel strongly that that could happen regardless of Rhysand and Cassian's interference. But I do want to say what I thought was so cool about this whole the friendship between Every and uh and, and Gwen is the <laughs> Is them swapping smut books <laughs> relatable, right? It's like, so relatable, and Gwen is so Gwen is so sheltered, and <laughs> yeah. I thought, it's a
0: cute friendship. It's
1: very cute. I like it a lot. It's very relatable, girls. Um <laughs> <laughs> this guy, and, and it was it's very sweet. I really. I like this friendship for Nesta. And you know, it's, it's interesting to see Nesta in a group of females where she's, it's healthy and she's actually nice and supportive. Like she's not guarded all the time. Yeah, but she's being the older sister. I think she's always wanted to be without that influence from her mother. Because I I was thinking about how she was talking to Feyre in the last section about, oh, you're happy to have a boy because having sisters was so awful. And I thought in my head, Nessa will never have girlfriends, you know, or best friends who are women. But to see how she is just going to this like duck to water, I think just shows how much she's grown. And and I, I think it's a good, healthy, sort of fresh start for her in many ways. Well, while Cassian was up at Wenhaven, he
2: had more than one errand to run. He also had a quickie little meeting with Heiress to fill him in.
0: You said that like they had a quickie.
1: You just think that, Hannah, because you think Eris is super hot. Oh my
0: gosh, <laughs> Nesta, Cassian, and Eris. Oh my god, I would die. I would die. <laughs> It'd be so good.
2: I'm still waiting for the Cass, Azriel Nesta chapter, not gonna lie.
0: Anyway. But, go on. <laughs> the
2: quickie between Eris and Cassian. <laughs> so yeah, so Cassian also is given the green light to fill in Eris on the Dred Trove as well. And trying to figure out what the next steps are, and that they're going to continue to look for it.
0: And then we come to a, a glorious scene where Cassie and Nesta are in the dining room, and long story short, she <laughs> goes down on him, and they are interrupted by Azrael coming who intentionally is like stomping his feet down the stairs because he knows what's happening yeah he can smell them he's like i know what you're doing there not at the dining room table please
1: (laughs) i was just gonna say i i think asriel's got way more game than he's letting on because he he kind of shaved cassie be like what did he say he's like you got to spread it out or you have to, you can't just do it all yes. in one. Give her yeah, something well, to come back for, yep. Yeah, give her something to come back for, yeah.
0: <laughs> We're also starting to really get to see azriel's personality, which is really nice. Where he's like the friend who's like, oh my gosh, you can really see the brotherly love between them. He's like, please stop having sex where I eat.
2: And I think, you know... Sarah J Maas does such a good job of building up the tension with Cassie and Anesta too, not giving us everything right away. But these first couple nuggets are just so funny, mm-hmm. and still so in character to both of them that it doesn't matter that it's not everything. It's just enough to keep us as the audience going. It's literally perfect.
0: Not gonna lie, reading these sections, whenever it was just a teasing section or things would be cut off short, I was like speed reading to get to the next scene. Always. I was (laughs) was like, everything else is just clutter. I'm here for Nesta and Cassian.
1: Full stop. We all are, whether we uh, want to admit it or not.
0: Yeah, I read those other chapters real fast. I'm kind of embarrassed.
1: <laughs> I also tore through this section. It was, I could not stop. Yeah, you it did. I couldn't put it down. That was, was bad.
2: <laughs> so it's funny that everyone is kind of slowly filtering in this information about the Dread Troves to try to put out feelers for what people can find. And Nesta decided to rope in when because she's constantly in the libraries. This is the section I talked about in our last episode that was driving me crazy because we see like petty ass resand and mm, piss me off. <laughs> because because of Emery's wings clipped wings she had to be brought into Valaris for training to the house of winds so resan offered to bring her in this first time she could only stay a small i think half the time probably in defense of her house and her store and resan makes this comment when he sees that gwen is there it's just gwen and emery and he goes mind to mind to Nesta and is like, you better treat Gwen with respect and blah, blah, blah.
0: Oh, my God. She's the one who invited her to train.
2: They're friends, sweetie. Nesta's not that awful of a human being. Back off.
0: Yeah, it's so uncalled for. But
2: you know what? We got to love Cassian. As much as he defends Resand to Nesta, Cassian defended Nesta to Resand, And he shut down and Resand actually realized he was being an extra extra level dick mm. and actually kind of was close to an apology
0: <laughs> kind of close a little bit <laughs> that's a big deal for Resand. he's like I'm not sorry but I feel bad <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid Resand pisses me off in this section it's so disappointing <sighs> you know
1: I feel like in some ways Resand uh, redeems himself a little bit after nesta has her nightmare thing but uh i mean yeah no i, I, I still think he's kind of a dick <laughs> i feel so bad for him with the pregnancy information i almost don't want to shit on him right now
0: yeah but like i said in the last episode though it really seems like he's the hormonal one in this whole pregnancy situation oh, oh, 100%. Yeah. like he acts as if he's the pregnant one
2: yeah definitely well we'll get more into the pregnancy stuff a little bit farther down Speaking of bitches, <laughs> Meryl. <laughs> yeah. What a feisty, feisty priestess.
0: She's giving Ianthi vibes. Not as bad, but like meddling, just obnoxious, nitpicky, blah, blah.
2: Yeah, like she's intentionally trying to make Gwen's life harder and just like making her miserable. And that's really frustrating. Like, why does someone want to put someone else down like that?
0: well reason why don't you get on Meryl he, he should be having this conversation with Meryl about treating Gwen with respect
2: and you know it's really disappointing because Meryl calls Nesta out for swapping out the wrong book that Gwen brought her and it's like why didn't you just let her just deal with it why was that one tiny little mix-up such a big deal to you and that you wanted to punish her for it it was such a weird interaction I've I'm, like, really over Meryl at this point. I forgot how annoying this whole scene is.
0: Meryl gives terrible boss vibes. Yeah. Again, that whole
2: TA <laughs> professor vibe.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorcer- or uh, the monk's helper or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: The more accurate
0: description of that. Well, and then we come to find out a little bit more about Gwen. Sarah, do you want to take it away?
1: Yeah. No, I was I was actually just trying to jump in because I, I definitely want to talk about this. So... When Meryl leaves after Nessa totally telling her off. <laughs> and I think that was pretty shocking for all the priestesses to see, not just Gwen. Because I don't think anybody says to Meryl. And so Meryl leaves and Gwen starts going into her own history. And we find out that Gwen's grandmother was a water nymph. Yes. yes. And her mother was part of Cal and Mai.
2: Well, let's go back to her grandmother.
1: So her grandmother was got knocked up from a Fey in the autumn court. And then her mother gave birth to twins. So we know that Gwen actually has a sister.
2: Who has the webbed hands, which I thought was really cute.
1: <laughs> yeah, she has the webbed hands. And Gwen has... Is it a, that her, like, eyes are different or that she's more flexible or something? And she says something? It's her like, eyes. Yeah, her uh, eyes. Okay. I think she did say that she is a little bit more flexible. Or, or there's something about because she's one-fourth, a fourth uh, water nymph, mm-hmm. that she's more pliable. That they noticed she
2: picked up on training. She was pretty much on Nesta's level, it sounded like, after, like, one or two rounds. Because Emery had to deal with learning how to balance with her bum wings. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the immediate difference was that Gwen picked up on the balance aspect of training much quicker than any of the other two had so far.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. And... What's sad is we hear Gwen talk about her sister in the past tense because we do know that her sister was with her when the attack on Sangrava happened. So this is where Nesta Assumes that her sister did not survive this attack. And I've constantly thought about Gwen sort of being ashamed a little, or, or like carrying around a lot of shame. She doesn't wear the stone on her head like the other priestesses. She didn't want to train at first. She takes on all of this verbal beatings from Merrill, and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't really fight back. And I can't help but to feel like there's some shame and guilt in there. And I, I think it might have to do from this attack and knowing that she had a sister there. That is my assumption is that her sister didn't make it out of that attack.
0: Yeah. I think that was the, the given after that whole conversation. Mm hmm. That she's also lost that. Yeah, I don't think there were many survivors in general
2: mm-hmm. from that attack, let alone, yeah, the odds of her sister having made it out were probably very, very slim. Who
0: you knows her twin? Mm-hmm.
2: But something else that I really want to get into, though, about Gwen's family is that her mother that you kind of touched on, Sarah, was a participant in Mai. And she got impregnated by a man during the Spring Court Festival. So there is a really interesting fan theory wondering if her father could be like Lucian or Tamlin or something.
0: Oh my gosh, that would be so messy. (laughs) It would be so chaotic. (laughs) Could you imagine? It would be so, so messy.
1: I feel like the assumption would be Lucian because she has the red hair and everything.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. What if Lucian's her dad? Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'm like going down this mental spiral right now in my head. That'd be so awful. What if that's Lucian's story is like when he goes off to find his own and he's with the band of exiles. Somehow we find out that Gwen is his daughter,
2: his long lost daughter. That would be wild, man. Let's just like throw another wrench. Actually, oh that I've got things to talk about, not about the specific series we'll talk about later.
0: But I think Lucian would be a good dad. Oh, it's just so weird because they
2: all look the same age. Like I can't wrap my head around. <laughs> <about this.
1: laughs> he
0: would finally have a family, you guys. And Gwen is nice.
1: Lucius seems like such a baby to me. I can't see him in, as a dad. Like, I know, right? To a 20-something-year-old? because he, He's the youngest of this huge family of fae. I, I, I can't even- Because I see him and like Tarquin as being babies. Like, 22, 23 years old in my mind.
0: Well, wait, isn't it also a little incesty though? Because he's also part Autumn Court and her grandpa was from the Autumn Court? Oh, no
2: that was going to be my argument is that her red hair could come from her grandfather. It doesn't have to come from her biological father just Mm -hmm. to like stir the pot on this theory is that we already know there maybe her grandfather's Lucian.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) We don't stand incest or we don't stand incest, but if Lucian was her dad and they weren't related prior, I would be so down for that. I mean, what a weird story. That'd be such a weird story to go with. Uh, oh, it's like an episode of Mori or something. <laughs> you <laughs> are the father!
2: <laughs> mess, I love mess in my books. Like this would be, this would be so satisfying to me. I love messy, chaotic love stories.
0: <laughs> Speaking of mess and chaos, Nesta attempts to scry on her own. And she has Cassie in there as a second set of eyes, which is really cool that she trusts him. I um, love them. And it doesn't go super well. When she
2: does it, nothing happens initially. So she thinks like, oh, I don't have power anymore. Nothing's happening. Then it call comes out in the middle of the night while she's sleeping. She has this awful night terror, PTSD, reliving Elaine being taken. And Cassian and Azrael go into her room and reading it again, I had the visual of like sand's night court power seeping under the door. It almost had that same vibe of how powerful.
1: When Reese had his nightmare and Thayer was almost getting blown away.
2: Yes. So it took so long to calm her down. They actually had to pull sand in. And
0: well, she has like a whole exorcist moment where she's like floating. Yeah, that's, I totally saw that. Well, and I, what I thought was, kind of
1: cute about this scene is technically the house sort of woke Cassian up to it. sort of like flickered so that way Cassian would understand like it kind of helped wake him up to get to Nesta which I thought was really cute and then I didn't even I had to read this section a couple of times because it just said and then Resand was there like he just poofs in and I- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, when did Rhysand get here? Was he here the whole time? And he's like trying to fight off Nesta's nightmare with his own dark power. And she, I mean, she was really putting up a fight. And uh, finally, I think it's Cassian who just calmly tries to talk to Nesta and get her to calm down. And she eventually gets to sleep. But the whole incident Made and tremble, and they asked him what was going on, and, and he's like, it, "She's death. She's just straight up death." It was
0: <laughs> it was awful. not gonna lie. It was kind of nice to see Reese tremble in fear.
1: A little. I'm not gonna lie to you. It, it was satisfying. It was very satisfying. I'm like, "That'll teach you. Get you stepped down."
0: Yeah. Don't mess with Nesta, and <laughs> Be a little nicer.
2: So it was kind of a combo of Cassian and Rhysand. I think Cassian was able to help her physically, but it was Rhysand that was able to get into Nesta's mind with his Deimati ability that was finally able to snuff out, quite literally, the solar Flame that was encompassing her. And when he, what he saw when he was calming her down is what freaked him out. The amount of power, the trauma.
1: Oh, it was her in the cauldron.
2: yes. And it finally humbled him.
0: Well, maybe now he has a little sympathy. Yeah. A little sympathy for Nesta, finally. I think so, too. Oh,
2: yeah, my note here. Scrying triggered her trauma. I was like, what a concept, Rhysand. am <laughs> 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 not. I'm
1: not dealing with any of his bullshit this month. They were the ones that were pushing her to do this in a week. and And this is what they get.
0: Yeah, bah, bah, bah. and then he gets scared once he sees what it's like. It's like, yeah, Reesan, back off, sir. Oh, maybe we won't do this again. Jk, we know Resan will push her again. It's fine. Oh, of course,
1: because he's San <laughs> 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 And the best part is, Nessa doesn't even realize this happened, and she just wakes up the next morning, and Cassian had stayed by her side the whole night. It was oh. so cute. So cute. I'm so worried for his nest. It's so sweet. We love go- it. And I'm like, let's go get breakfast. <laughs> okay. <I'm>
0: like- <laughs> what kind of breakfast? Wink, wink. <laughs> I'm
1: just saying. With these two, you Nothing never know. <laughs> That's
2: fair. And, you know, I think Nesta reliving, having to, being forced to relive that trauma of her being in the cauldron and Elaine's disappearance she kind of opens up to Gwen a little bit more, and they both add a little bit more context to what happened without saying too much. And it kind of adds that extra layer to their friendship, which is really nice to see. Then, ooh, the biggest, ooh, I think we're going to have a good few minutes talking about this, but Ree all like, nah, 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 I didn't sleep well. And it's not just because of Nesta. We find out that Freyra's got a little bit of a pregnancy complication. Who
0: wants to go into Mm -hmm. this detail? The baby has wings, and it turns out that... When they had sex, she had used her shape-shifting ability so that she also had wings when they were having sex. And so they're having an Illyrian baby that has wings, and her body is not built for that. Apparently Illyrian women have certain bone structures in their hips in order to deliver a baby with these wings, and she just does not have that. And. Fayra doesn't know that it's dangerous. Reason has not told her that she's going to have complications with her pregnancy. And that is so infuriating. He's like trying to protect her and not stress her out. And he's so like losing sleep and stuff, but he's not even sharing this information with her.
1: Well, and the other thing too is it's determined that she can't shapeshift when she is in labor to Mm -hmm. because that could affect the baby somehow or even right now she can't from this
2: moment like whatever trimester actually it's 10 months for pregnancy but at this point where she is at in her pregnancy she is high risk enough that she cannot do any magic because she was in full Illyrian like her body was shaped as an Illyrian and her pelvic bones that's why she conceived as an Illyrian Mm -hmm. and they won't let her go back conveniently enough it's fine
0: no, and won't even tell her.
1: Oh, yeah, because keeping secrets, Reese Ann, has been a great decision in the past for you.
0: Yeah, I love how Reese Ann is so quick to dish out Advice to everybody else, but will not take his own advice. It just pisses me off. He's such a hypocrite.
2: He is! (laughs) He
0: thinks he can fix everything on his own. He's like, we got this. Well, and need I remind you guys, they have that pact now that if one of them dies, they both die. I'm just gonna throw that out there. So not only would we lose the life of the baby and Feyre, but they'd also lose Resand Because he could never live without her.
1: Lame. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, Feyre does know that this pregnancy is now high risk. Maja didn't omit that from her. But I mean, Resand is pretty much telling Cassian, no, she is practically going to die. The mm. odds are like not in either of their favors, her or the babies, right now. Because there's really- She's
0: much just preparing for a funeral.
1: Well, and there's no th- such thing as a C-section, Right.
0: From what I gathered, I think that even if they were to cut it out of her, I think that that would be so detrimental because she wouldn't be able to heal properly because of the new rules of Faye and pregnancy and magic and how all that <laughs> yeah, stuff that, works.
1: That, stuff. that like, all of a sudden
0: conveniently happens <laughs> the, convenient the moment rules, that she's pregnant. Right? <laughs> yeah, the it's convenient fine. rules that just were created the moment that she became pregnant. <laughs> so like everything else we know about Faye doesn't actually matter. But from my understanding, it's that like no matter what, to get the baby out, she would die even if they had to cut it out of her. So I have a question for you guys as I was
2: reading it, because all this information came to Cassian from ReSan. And what's crazy is literally the next day after, you know, Cassian's like, are you feeling better? Blah, blah, blah. Cassian spills the beans to Nesta about the complication. And I'm wondering, was it Cassian's place to tell Nesta and why or why not?
0: I believe that he needed somebody to talk to and so whether it was his place or not I think that he deserves the right to be able to share that with someone that he feels safe with. I think that that's a lot of information because at the end of the day, as much as that also is rude that Feyre doesn't know this and it's not really his story to tell, he's also affected by this. This is his lady of the night court. He has every right to be concerned and to speak about it because it does directly affect him as well.
1: I agree with you. I'm a little disappointed in recent because this is quite the burden of a secret for one person to hold it's completely unfair i mean because uh, yeah she's the high lady of the court and she's also their friend yeah she's also a really close friend i mean he saved her in akawar uh, from the autumn court and like they did the training together and they just have a lot of history and love for each other i mean this is also this is her sister too i mean like it or not I don't think Rhysand has the right to keep this from her family. I mean, let alone Feyre, but.
0: Yeah, he's gatekeeping information right now.
1: Right. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think, Swaggy? So I tend to agree
2: with you guys. I understand that it's a burden and a stressor that not one person should be holding on to. I think where it rubs me the wrong way is just because Nesta and Farah are not unlike consistent speaking terms, they're a little bit on the rocks. And I think it's not fair for Nesta to hear that information from someone that isn't directly Resand and or And that I think is what's not sitting well with me. I do like that Cassian felt comfortable to tell it to Nesta as a family member and being associated with the inner circle. But I think just because of where their relationship stands right now, I don't fully agree with it.
0: But even then, I don't really feel like. That's on Cassian. I feel like it all falls directly on Rhysand because Rhysand's not even sharing with Cassian that they have that death pact at all. I think the only person who's really at fault in this whole situation is Rhysand. If Rhysand didn't want people to know, why would he tell Cassian in the first place?
2: And yeah, I'm not saying that it's necessarily Cassian's fault. I think, yeah, I guess maybe it. Is. I did say that. I don't know. I just, like I said, there's just something about, I don't even know if it'd be right to hear it from restand to Nesta directly either just because of how stressful the relationship is
0: yeah but who else would tell because Feyre doesn't even know
2: I know and that yeah that's that's inherently the problem at the end of the day right
0: Feyre of all people should be the one to know and I think it's valid that Nesta does know because if any in this situation maybe this is a moment for Nesta to kind of have compassion for Feyre and it might even bring their relationship a little bit closer together depending on whatever she does with this information.
1: And what I was going to say is, you know, Sam, you bring up a really good point, because no one knows about the death pack either. Maybe this decision to tell Cassian is more political than it is a courtesy, because if she goes, he's going too. And then I think Amryn is still his second in command, so she would be head of Valaris. So I mean- maybe the, in in some way shape or form this was re-sand's way of preparing cassian for this
0: potential outcome i don't um, think so though i don't think so because if he were actually going to prepare him he would have told him about the death pact because like if they were gonna go if he's trying to prepare for one or two deaths right now, Cassian still thinks that Rhysian is going to be around to take over the Night Court. And like, if he's trying to prepare them, don't you think he would prepare Amrin Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And I can tell that he told Cassian, I think, just out of pure exhaustion and just needing to get that information out of his head and mm-hmm. share that with somebody. But one, it probably shouldn't have been Cassian. It should have been his wife. And if not, if it was a political thing, it should have gone the political route of he needs to inform the next in command. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't like the whole situation. It's all, it's so messy. And it's just funny because like, ray is such a hypocrite.
1: This isn't the fun mess that I like to read in my books. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just think two wrongs don't make a right. Because I think you're right, Sam. I don't think it was really Cassian's place to tell Nessa. I don't really think it was ray place to tell Cassian. So I think, I think they're both wrong. It's all a cluster either way. I will say this is, I think we have to kind of start from the root of it, which is resand. <laughs> but I'm also like sort of biased and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time blaming Cassian for being himself.
0: Honestly, I don't even blame him. I think that he just pulled yeah. a resand, we like, he needed to spill this information because it was probably hard for him to swallow as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the closest person that he feels right now, too, is Nesta. He feels like he has a connection, that he feels safe enough to share that information. I don't think that he went to her thinking about her being favorite sister. I think he went to her as a source of comfort. Yeah. And it just happened to be her sister. But out of all of this, Nesta kind of has a stronger incentive to try scrying again. Mm -hmm. Because now she like really has to get the show on the road. She can't really procrastinate anymore. And she's got to take it all head on. And this is when Cassian... Mm -hmm.
2: Cassian insists. There, there are a couple more people that are there this time to make sure that she is as safe as possible. So uh, there's no
0: repeat. So, I think he learned after the nightmare. <laughs> he was like, after watching yep. Reese scared in the nightmare, he's like, I think maybe it should not just be me. <laughs> And so Reese, Amryn, and Azrael end up being present as well. And mm-hmm. Nesta's so funny. I think she does this as like a way to kind of give herself courage, but she's like, Cassie, I'll no, fuck you when I'm done scrying and you're healed from fighting with Reese And That'll be my like incentive to do this. And he's like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah, he's like, all right, let's go scry and everyone get the fuck out after.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got things to do. So how did it go, Sarah, The second attempt at scrying?
1: I want to say good, but I also want to say bad. (laughs) I mean, she does. I mean, it is successful in the sense that we are able to locate one of the trove items. Specifically, what she was looking for is the mask. I mean, she was looking for the mask the first time. So my assumption was that she was calling for the mask again this time. And unfortunately, similar to the first time that she scribed back in Akawar, she gets sort of mentally trapped. And the way that Feyre and Resan, because they do their Damani thing, and they're trying to like get her to open up her mind, but she kind of locked herself in mentally because she's mm-hmm. trying to protect herself. But in unfortunately, it locked everybody out. So she doesn't have any help while she's sort of trapped in this trance so Cassian getting concerned and feeling like he's out of options he showed his cards and he kissed her in front of the entire inner well minus more but in front of the inner circle and it it brings you know like like Snow White it brings (laughs) her back
0: (laughs) she's awoken from her slumber Mm I think she like pushes him off of
1: her when she finally comes to consciousness. But yeah, I, I think what's for me, what's sad about it is that this is Cassian really showing how much he cares about, like he's being very public about his feelings for Nesta. Like he's really not holding it back anymore. He's not trying to make things, which isn't, it's not a bad thing. It's just... We know that Nesta really isn't there. So I hate this feeling of imbalance, I guess, with the two of them.
0: I don't know if you guys felt similarly. I didn't, but I can see where you're coming from. Like mm-hmm. that makes sense to feel that way.
1: Because even if Nesta likes Cass, which we know she does, there's just this this need for her to have this control of how she's viewed. and She kind of
0: stole that from her.
1: Right! And now she kind of has the upper hand right now. But I will say, before we move on to the next thing, is when Nesta comes to consciousness, she drops the bones and stones, and they land in a place called the Middle. This is where the Under under the Mountain was in the first book. And it's also where the Weaver's Cottage is in something called the Bog of Orid. It, this was a very sacred place once, but now it's sort of a... I almost want to say it's like a landfill for monsters.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's pretty much so they sent all of the monsters that were kind of dispersed throughout all of the different courts. And they've kind of trapped them there in the bog that is now their kind of resting place. And it's like, what do they say? Like the old warriors, the monsters, everyone who's kind of banished, they've been trapped in this bog now.
1: What I thought was really cool about this is this is a different set of requirements to be put in the bog. Not all the monsters that are scattered throughout Prithian get sent to the prison. There's a difference between what's in this bog versus what gets locked up in the prison. And I I thought this whole concept was very interesting because it's not necessarily a punishment to be put in the bog because you can't you can't fault a monster for being a monster is is their sort of logic behind it they're just doing what they're born to do it's it's like you wouldn't punish an alligator for eating a person because alligators eat people you and your alligator thing you need to get over it (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. I can't. It gives me so much stress. Or like a lion eating an antelope. Like it's being a frickin' lion. You can't be mad at it for being a lion. So I really like the logic behind that. I thought that was a really interesting concept when it comes to this location.
2: And it kind of becomes a dumping ground because there is no one ruling over it. It is like a
0: kind of like a free for all. It's like you've been allocated to this land. This is what you get to be free and not in the prison. But there's no order to it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's
2: somewhere that they are, flies. you kind of said already, Sarah, that they are free to be themselves without the constraints of the organized government that is the rest of Prithian.
1: Because they'll just keep eating kids and, and destroying villages and stuff because that's just what they do. It's not necessarily their fault that that is what they are created to do. And that, you know, this, you're right, it gives them the freedom to be themselves, so to speak.
0: Well, and we started to learn a little bit some of the monsters and they're creepy as hell. Like this, honestly, after reading this section, it felt so creepy going there. It just gave really bad vibes. (sighs) And I honest, I really thought that these monsters were almost worse than the prison. The ones yeah. that are locked up there.
2: I think so, too.
0: This I've stuff that the can't be
2: contained. The, the well, creatures and, that can't be contained, yeah.
0: And I remember, like, I had joked, I don't remember who, I was like, oh, she's a siren or whatever. Like, they really, there are sirens there. There are monsters that are lake shapeshifters and they seduce prey into the water and then drown them and eat them. Exactly like a siren. And this is also where the witches dwell. And it, it just seems so much more ominous than any of the creatures that we have seen, even like Briaxis, the Bone Carver, and Amarin, and all of these otherworldly things. like It just seems so much more scary. And I think it's even more scary because they are free. Mm-hmm. And like going to the bog, you're kind of on their playing field, where you're coming onto their territory that you don't really know. And it's not researched a lot because there's no order there. I think that is one of the most dangerous missions that they'll probably go on.
1: I agree, absolutely.
0: And so they go, Azra, Nesta, and (laughs) Casian before the next day. (laughs) They're like, "Let's go! We gotta get the show
2: on the road." Nessa's like, "If we don't go now." I'm never going to do this, so we have yeah. to go
0: tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, we got to go before I chicken out. Let's just get this over with. And the moment that she gets there, she already feels something. They're up in there and Nesta instantly feels something, and Asriel just kind of disappears into the clouds and the shadows. And we find out that there are Autumn court soldiers there.
1: We assume these are the ones that went missing because there were- From Aeris's group, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Baron took them to- Briallen, allen or, or they went with with baron on this mission and they did come back and then they're being attacked by this set of um autumn court soldiers and as, as gets hit with an air an ash arrow in his wing he's downed for sure mm-hmm. i mean he's still fighting his butt off but he he's very restricted on movement
0: Oh, and like, what a way to start this whole journey to this terrible land. We've already got a man down, one of our strongest soldiers. Well, and just before
2: we keep moving on, I think the important thing about seeing the Autumn Court soldiers is that it puts into question, has Eris been playing the Autumn Court? Or has been, what's that, where does Eris' loyalties lie now? Because now he's like, oh, my soldiers have been missing. They're like, well, why are your soldiers in the middle? What have you been doing? Do you know something that we don't know? And now it just throws that very already tenuous relationship in question.
0: Yeah, is he being a little finger Mm -hmm. playing his own game? Honestly, if he was playing his own game and that really is the case, he's a genius. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Right. Uh, But I don't, I can't give Aeris that much credit. I don't think he's that smart.
2: I was just gonna say, I don't think he is.
0: (laughs) When they finally land, Cassian kind of dumps Nesta at the top of the tree, and he's, like, gonna go help Azrael And he's like, wait here. One dumbest idea ever. Like, (laughs) that's, like, textbook 101. Don't separate from the group in a bad situation. (laughs) Yep, And nesta decides that she doesn't want to wait anymore and so she gets herself out of the tree and she comes into contact with a kelpie which is the creature that i was talking about that is very similar to the siren she is kind of wading through the water and she runs into the kelpie and she freezes and it just drags her under and it is it reminds me of the character from the rain uh samara is that her name
2: yes tell us more what a kelpie is hannah
0: it's the lake shapeshifter Yeah, so what they would do is it worked as a siren and it would lure you close to it and then it would grab you and drag you under the water and drown you and then it would eat you. (laughs) I
1: thought the Kelpie was
0: a type of seahorse. No, No, I think that's the visual that
2: it presents to lure you. I think that's part of the shape-shifting side of it.
0: Uh, But it turns into a very ring-esque Samara character where it's like bone white, has this jet black hair and these claws... And it just, it's so creepy. It is the creepiest thing I've ever heard of. Which is funny because it has the funnest kind of sounding name. Like when I think of Kelpie, I think of just like a cute little stuffed animal. And it is not that. Don't be fooled. That's probably what it presents to you. And then it drowns you and eats you. So. Beanie baby. <laughs> yeah. Beanie baby. Beanie baby. And then when she's dragged under, we cut back to Cassian and Azrael's point of view, and they're still fighting off the Autumn Court soldiers, and they look like they're in a trance and are very unresponsive, and it's extremely unsettling that they just don't seem to really be there. It's almost like they're skinwalkers, and I really didn't like it. Everything about this whole bog situation is so creepy. I loved it. It was the best scene in this whole entire book. (laughs) <laughs> I love gory, creepy stuff. And I it was funny because this to me didn't seem like a very Sarah J. Mass scene. Mm-hmm. And so I was so excited reading it. It felt like a totally different book. And I'm like, oh, the eeriness. It's so dark and twisted. And I legitimately felt on the tip of my toes just nervous the whole time I was reading this section.
1: You know, it's it's funny that it's so close to the under the mountain because I feel like this is the same type of shift that took place in Akatar. Where w- the book was so different compared to part three, and this is similarly like we've just we've just been training and library and having mm-hmm. tea with the girls and stuff, and now we're in a creepy ass bog fighting a, a siren and these like rabid almost soldiers attacking Cassie and Azriel. It is an intense, wild scene that is a complete shift from where this book kind of starts out. So
0: I would almost argue that it was almost creepier than Under the Mountain because Under the Mountain, as much as Amarantha was scary, I will say it was grotesque and disgusting a lot of the stuff that theorists put through but it almost kind of felt kitsy with the whole you have three tasks type of things
1: sorry I just want to reiterate really quick all I what I was trying to say is that I just thought it was ironic that this is happening in the same location as under the mountain this type of shift between the story taking a huge shift is is, is what I meant to say is that it's in some, in the same location we're seeing the story change very suddenly from what it's presented to be in the beginning and what it is in this moment. Yeah, I didn't
2: even think of it in comparison. but They both have their kind of shining moments. Mm-hmm. Of like almost redemption.
0: Yeah, for real. Whatever you do, if you're ever in parentheses, don't go to the middle because only bad stuff happens. There.
2: Never. <laughs> well, because that's also where the Weaver's cottage is too. So for Pharaoh, mm-hmm. it was both under the mountain with Amarantha and also all that stuff.
0: It's, it's also around book. where the surreal died. Hmm. It so it's just a whole trauma mama over there. Trauma <laughs> <laughs> But while she is under the water and
2: being assaulted by this kelpie that's breathing air into her to keep her alive like what a twisted form of torture
0: i know it's it's so malicious and creepy she
2: finds the mask in the water like she had told cassian and Azrael, and they landed she's like what are the masks in the water
0: they're like we'll get it and she's like Nope, I got it, boys. It's a crazy scene because the Kelpie is, like, speed dragging her through the water, and she is, like, calling to it So where she sees it, and she's almost, like, it's gravitating towards her as the Kelpie is dragging her along, and so she finally gets it, and that's when she puts it on, and... The Kelpie just kind of freaks the fuck out. But it's not even like she just grabs it under the water. She is calling to it and it's coming to her. And she's like going at a really fast pace under the water because of the Kelpie. It's it's so intense. The whole scene is.
1: Well, and the mask doesn't kill the Kelpie. What happens is, is the mask's ability is to raise the dead. And this whole bog is littered with bones and skeletons and half decomposed- Old
0: warriors.
1: Warriors and- people and, and monsters and stuff so she puts that thing on and she's got a underwater army that is attacking this kelpie and tearing it apart and then we cut back to cassian and Azriel realizing well they complete fighting but they leave two autumn soldiers alive but you know detained and then they go to search for nesta and this is when Cassian realizes that like, cause he follows her scent up all the way to the bog and realizes she's been pulled under.
0: And she appears, you know, this scene is so epic. I was like cheering reading this section.
1: I remember looking at pictures of Nesta when I was reading, I think the first book, cause I just wanted a better idea of what they looked like. And I saw this, this image, like I saw this scene that someone had, had drawn out and it was very intense. And I assumed that that was the scene when I, when I first read Akawar, I thought, oh, that picture must be for when she holds up Highburn's head and then looks at it. But I'm like, what an interesting interpretation of that scene. <laughs> because it didn't look like Highburn at all. It was this like stringy monster face and she's glowing and she's all wet and stuff. I'm like, well, that's, I mean, I guess she could be really sweaty. I mean, it was a pretty intense fight, you know? I, I mean, who, who's to judge? So reading this scene, I was like, oh, this is that picture. And I'm like, damn.
0: It's so epic. It's epic so creepy because she just raises this army of the dead and they all just appear out of the bog the image that sarah j mass writes as she's coming out of the bog is so god i don't even know how to explain it it just everything was so creepy and eerie and she just encompasses death and i think this is the first time in an image that you see just how powerful she actually is
2: Can I read the quote that she that she comes to her moment when she finally raises the army? Because I just think it's so freaking powerful. Like it's finally her truly taking everything that's happened to her and finally owning it, not letting not wallowing in it. Though she had fought back against all her previous attackers, they had all happened to her. She had survived, but she had been helpless and afraid. But not today today she would happen to
0: him oh chills chills (laughs) and she's got the kelpie head in her hand she just Uh. looks like a badass bitch and the boys bow to her i love it first well first the army of the dead starts bowing to her and then the boys get down on their knees oh i love it when two men get on their knees for you (laughs) This,
2: Cassian's about to get get down and do it again.
0: Mm, <laughs> yeah, right. it is. Yeah, oh, it is. but I'm just saying, this was my favorite scene and probably the whole series. I just, it was fun from start to finish, from the moment that they got there to the moment that they leave. I had so much fun reading it.
1: Mm-hmm. And then she passes out. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, she, yeah.
1: She takes the mask off, like just yes. she just easily takes it off, and that's important and then she passes mm-hmm. out so when yes. they get back or when they're reunited with the inner circle you know Azriel takes them back to or winnows them back to the night court and then he goes back gets the the two soldiers and he puts them in this i'm assuming it's a torture chamber in the hewn city Yes. It's kind of how it's described. It's this room where underneath the room are these like slithery monsters that eat people but they can hibernate so they could drag out eating a person for years. And, you know, Azrael's doing his thing and trying to get these soldiers to talk, but they don't budge. And then you know, resan does his Daimani thing, does little mind hunting. Reese goes into their minds and he sees that it's just empty. Like they're, they're, it's just misty. There's really nothing. It's not like they have any of these prejudice or hatred towards Asriel or Cassian. They're just foaming out nothing. the mouth, wanting to cause violence. They're like mindless in a zombie yeah like zombies like in a trance it's crazy and I I was really impressed with Feyre in this moment who I've kind of forgot about for a minute (laughs) (laughs) but she's like if their heads are empty and 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 they don't know anything and this is a trance then is torturing them appropriate and they're all like no so they decide to get different arrangements for these guys oh no they're getting Hel- helion they're gonna have helion come in to see if he can undo the trance and or spell yes and mm-hmm. there was also this winking and i'm gonna ask you guys about this because reese and and because favor's like well you know helion's coming for the thing the thing wink wink but also he could do this too while he's here And I
0: I assume that's about the baby? Yeah, so it's the baby guard, the thing that she has around her?
2: No, it's actually to see if there's anything that Helion knows that can safely deliver the baby and save Feyre. Oh, does that mean Feyre knows then by now? She knows that it's a high-risk pregnancy. She doesn't know that she's practically going to die. So this is just them feeling out
0: all their options. Mm, Okay. Because I thought Helion was also part of the magic that put the bubble around her. She came down in a bubble, dog. This is the moment for that. Grow up, man! I'm gonna gonna stab him. (laughs) Her sister was a witch. Oh,
1: how fitting! This is a very fitting. (laughs) She came down in a bubble, bro.
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs> i'm gonna learn how to incorporate things. that into every single episode i don't even care
2: i'm here for
1: it i'll show that it.
0: video I to all of my coworkers cool. and enlighten <laughs> them
1: <laughs> and then the wicked witch of the east grow up man
0: <laughs> sorry can't stop won't stop <laughs> <laughs> no it's like a it's like a tick now i don't know it's grow up dog <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna start we're so dumb that i love it <laughs> <laughs> all right sorry cards what were you saying no, i'm just
1: gonna say and then you know cut to Nessa is sleeping in the moon palace and gosh Amryn was so hard on her in this scene She's like, by the way, you smell like swamp. And she's like, yeah, that's what being dragged through a swamp will do to you, Amorin. <laughs> I think
0: that's her love language, though. I think this is her way of apologizing to Nesta. Okay. Well, I, I thought she was being really hard Because we also, we found out a little earlier that, what did Amorin say? She said She said that she was worthless. Yeah,
1: but that was on the barge when, like, that was... Nestor remembering their conversation on the barge which was like a month or yeah. so earlier
0: well yeah no i was saying that like this is after yeah, 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 her yeah, calling yeah. her worthless sorry, sorry. Thank and you for clarifying. this is her way of like apologizing mm-hmm.
2: no i have to say my reasonings for not liking Amran and akawar were petty But you know what? They carry through in this book. And I will stand by (laughs) it. I do not like Amarin. And this does not help her redemption in my eyes. I mean, to be fair,
0: Amarin shouldn't even be there. She shouldn't even still be a character. Uh, I love Amarin, but it doesn't even make sense as to why she's still here. It's just another plot hole where it doesn't actually make sense and everything we've ever learned is a lie. Go on, she is the one character that was
2: not worth bringing back. I'm fine, I'm, I'm <laughs> with whatever bullshit Sarah J. Mass had to concoct to bring everybody else back. <laughs> no, we could have done without Amorin, and I'm gonna keep saying that. <laughs> I'm done, I'm gonna,
0: I will not. It, stop. Could, <laughs> the, it could have been a good opportunity for when Nesta raised the dead. I'm just gonna say, if Sarah J. Mass ever needs some, some help writing, this could have been a good opportunity for Nesta to accidentally bring Amorin back from the dead as she's lifting people from the dead now.
1: I mean it, no. you, I mean you make I hate a, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I was like no. absolutely not fuck that bitch. I think, Dead to me. I, think that
1: I, I agree with you. I think that would have been a, a better writing than the uh, oops, here's hey hey oh hey look who, who's attached to Risa and it's Amarin. Like, <laughs> and she's a people now. Yeah, and she's a people. She's she's she can poop now, which is great. <laughs> so there was a couple things that happen when they go to see Nesta after this in interaction with the soldiers one they had warded the mask and they put in a separate room with its own
0: wards and stuff and so no one could get to it and
1: when they get up to the palace Nessa is sitting in front of the mask just looking at it and they're like how did you get in here and she said the mask Told me to come in here. I mean,
0: <laughs> it's so creepy. Yeah, I love it. He
1: said I could come. The in. door was open for her.
0: The her, door was yeah, open. Yeah, for like her. calls to like. I mean, she is the mask. The mask is her. Mm-hmm. She is Lady Death, my friends.
1: So they decide that while helion is there, that he should teach Nessa to create a ward because it seems like she might be the only one who can create a ward strong enough to really keep people out. Especially if she can break it in her state. And then the other thing is the mask usually does not come off of people easily. I'm kind of thinking of it's like
0: an octopus sucking to your face.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I mean I was thinking of an anime, but that but yeah, octopus <laughs>
0: Um <laughs> I just remember like starfish, like in the Little Mermaid, where they like latch onto your face, and you're like, I ah, get this thing off me, and it doesn't. That's how I imagine. I was
1: kind of thinking of like the mask with Jim Carrey, and how like a nice person yes
0: is is like a
1: lovesick crazy man or wild man whereas someone like dorian when he puts on the mask he's super evil and that's because it's just fueled differently by the mask so when a normal human or or a fae would wear the mask the mask would control them but in this case because she is so the the cauldron is so much in nesta she actually had more control over the mask when she was wearing it she was the mask's boss yeah Sam, go you talk. Well, I get to talk about the good part.
2: <laughs> they find, <laughs> they finally uh Nesta holds her promise to Cassian. Cassian's face is healed. Nesta got a little bit of rest. And so they go into it, you know, he approaches her, and Oh, and they're they're doing it in the Moonstone Palace, too. I totally forgot that they weren't in the House of Wind. Oh, because that was one of the catches. She's like, I told you that you could fuck me anywhere in the house. She's like, so we're gonna do it where I want in the Moonstone Palace. So you can still have your way in the house. So there's going mm-hmm. to be more to come, and I mean, they're about to start. She's like, no, this is only sex. This is all like, and essentially implying that this is all she can offer anybody at this point emotionally.
0: Which is fair. She also just raised the dead,
2: and yes yeah, so it was a very spicy. We love to see it. But the best
0: part, my favorite, <laughs> I'd be so pissed. I would be so bad. It
2: makes me laugh every time because it's just the epitome of their relationship. They just like knock each other down a peg. So they they finish. And Ness is like, oh, now we're gonna get some like little cuddling, whatever. And he Mm-mm. immediately jumps out of bed, puts his pants on, and halfway out the door, he's like, thanks for the ride, Ness
0: yeah he uh she said she wanted casual sex he gave her casual sex. You could tell that was totally such a dig at her because he felt really petty about what she had said
2: love it love they're they're both so petty they're it's just they're dancing around it, and yeah, I love it. I loved it. Their relationship is so fun to watch unfold <laughs> yeah. but Sarah, tell us what your concerns were you had really. Strong feelings. This, yeah, that before scene we started. Kind of, this
1: that scene kind of broke my heart. If I'm honest, oh, I. Why? It's just
0: that because is it because the lack of romance?
1: There's that because you know how much of a sap I am. But when I read this scene, it kind of reminded me of Hunt with his first love that was killed, and I think what bothers me about their relationship at, at this present moment is Nesta has the upper hand. Cassian's shown his cards. Like he's obviously into her. He's falling for her. He's getting disappointed when she says it's just sex. Like he obviously wants something more and she is not at that place right now to give that to him. And there's this, and I am so mad I didn't save the line, but there is this line where she said that she felt like a warrior and Cassian is her sword. And for me, that was like, oh, he's not an equal to you. He's something that you're using. Can I play devil's advocate? Not yet. And (laughs) what I was going to say is that I, this is reminding me of a movie that I've showed Sam called Timer. And I I won't go into that because I don't want to spoil it, but I just feel very strongly like this relationship isn't going to work. I think they're on very uneven planes and I think that this is a necessary relationship for Cassian because I think this is getting him to come to terms with his own wants for having a family like he's finally like getting out of his fuckboy phase and he is getting into this next stage of his life and I think Nessa is helping him to do that to acknowledge that he wants more from his relationships and he wants more from his life but I, I don't think Nesta will be that person. I feel very strongly about that this isn't going to work. And I, So you know. I
0: disagree because when I think of a warrior and I think of how a warrior feels about their sword, it's an extension of themselves. A lot of the times, like, a warrior would be nothing without their sword. So I would argue that that's actually true equality in the sense that they're becoming one because I don't know many warriors who don't have an extension of themselves in combat. Like, that's... I think that when it comes down to like old what would you call them? Old
2: Squires and Knights and
0: Squires and stuff, like you are one with your like chosen weapon. I thought that that comment was actually really beautiful because it really showcased how intertwined they are together, that she's not just wielding him like she is his and he is hers in that sense.
1: So a sword can't own a person, so I I still disagree with that logic. And I well, a sword doesn't work unless you're a warrior
0: or like. But it's but she didn't say
1: comrade. She didn't say like.
0: I think it was deeper than that, though. But a sword isn't a a person.
1: It doesn't have thoughts or feelings. It's a tool.
0: But think about any time you ever read about a warrior and the true meaning behind it and how they feel about. Their chosen sword, like think about Game of Thrones, think about all of these other things. Like, it is such a part of you that losing it would be detrimental. People yeah.
2: name their swords like that. Is how much like it's it's different than having an animal, but I mean it's that same type of ownership possession. Like, I tend to agree with Hannah for the most part.
0: I almost felt like it was more deep than just like this is another person who's equal to me. I felt more like she was saying he's a part of me.
1: Sarah disagrees. I do. <laughs> no shit. I do. No way. I didn't like this scene. I really didn't. It 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 honestly ruined it for me to see how sweet he was coming into the room, bringing her food, how like awkward he was acting. I mean, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like walk in. I I I'm gonna leave you alone now. Bye. And she's like, let's just bang. And it it frankly turned me off. Like, I I and then he's getting uncomfortable. He's obviously, like, really into her. And and she's just like, this is just sex. This is just... He also didn't have to have
0: sex with her. I know! Well, the was a choice. To,
1: he's, he still likes her. I'm not saying that, like, he doesn't like her. I'm just saying that, like, I think his attachment is stronger than hers. And I don't like this imbalance. And I read that sword section as her using him for her own means. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I just... I am seeing a huge imbalance in their relationship, and I just don't see this working out. We'll have to do That's a That's really check great, in. but you're wrong. <laughs> we will
2: have to do a check-in for every section the rest of this recording because i'll be very curious if your opinion changes you just don't like that it's not romantic you are not in it for the spice you want the romance with the spice
0: well also like we have to give nesta a little grace she's still going through a shit ton of stuff and like just because cassian's ready to be in a relationship doesn't mean nesta's required to as well i'm not
1: saying that nesta's required to but i just don't like I, i don't like people who play games and i think she's playing games and i I don't like it.
0: (laughs) I don't think she's playing a game. I think she's having fun. I think she's
1: getting what she wants because, I mean, I think she wants Cassian. I think she wants to fuck because she wants release. I don't think she wants to fuck Cassian because she genuinely loves him. I think this- What makes you think that? Because she says it all the time. She's like, ooh, I want him. I need this release. I need to just get this out of my system. I think she's playing games. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't think that's the case at all.
0: Yeah I don't get that vibe in the slightest bit especially because like I mean think of all the sincere moments that they do have like you can't discredit that she's like Cass I would never hate you and I never did and like moments like that and even like uh, when they were fighting the king of Highburn and her saying that like if you die I'm gonna die with you like I don't think that that's fair to say that she doesn't
2: but you know what in a certain
0: way it's just not in the way that is like romanticized in what we think a love story should be
2: but you know what i would argue that she says she wanted just sex she got it and she's not happy with it he left yeah. her there but you know she's gonna have to figure it out she's gonna have to figure out if she actually just wants a fuck buddy or if she wants a. Re- this is the start of her figuring mm-hmm. out not only working through her mental health but figuring out what she wants with her life and if she wants yeah, a cool. relationship
0: and Cassian drew a boundary back. Like she set a boundary, he drew one back. And like, that's just how life is though. You know, we're like, he's like, this is what you wanted. This is what I'm showing you. And like, clearly she's not happy with it.
2: And I don't think it makes them hopeless. I they think this is hopeless. just where they are right now.
1: You're acting like gonna it's, it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to yeah, happen. I, I, think, I think they're going to remain friendly, but I just don't see them long term. Interesting.
0: We shall see how you feel in the next. I think section. it's also likely when we go to episode eighteen.
1: I think it's also likely that Cassian might die at the end of this. That's the most tragic solution. Or my other theory is that Nesta will transform into some type of monster and maybe try to kill him. That was my other thought. But, yeah, I don't see this working out. But, okay, next episode, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Next episode will be episode 18,
2: and this will be the last half of part two out of four of this book, which we're, it's going to be a doozy, but we're going to do it. It's going to be chapters 38 through 50.
0: Ooh, that sounds like a lot of chapters (laughs) and a lot of pages. (laughs) sarah you're gonna be devouring this
1: like i would not worry i'm not saying yeah. i'm not saying that i don't like the book i it's just this i did not like that scene so there i said it
0: are you our little taurus is being so stubborn <laughs> never no here's never. the thing is i
1: know i'm right and i'm not and i'm usually right about this i was right about the whole <laughs> oh my line. gosh i was right
0: I'm about- gonna put this in writing and i'm gonna throw this in her face later <laughs> sarah is never right i was right about the never. love
1: thing and never. then i didn't trust my gut and then i i was kicking myself that i didn't think it was love and i oh my gosh uh, i
0: cannot wait to play this back to you and get your reaction you're almost you guys, never right you guys
1: get so upset about this book so like like you guys always say it's super emotional and that this book destroyed you so i know something horrible happens
0: something horrible does happen but it's also Sarah JMS and she always wraps everything in a pretty little bow. Not this. <laughs> 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 All right, well, we'll leave you to lick your wounds, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye! Bye. Bye. Thanks for
2: listening. You can follow us on Instagram at confessionstand underscore podcast for any show updates. Feel free to give us a follow on our Goodreads, too, to see what we're currently up to. That link is in our bio. Bye. 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 Bye.